0: While advances have been made in the treatment of the rare blood cancer multiple myeloma, fundamental questions about how to optimize therapies for individual patients remain. The Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation launched CureCloud, an initiative to gather detailed genomic and health data from thousands of patients to bring both a precision medicine approach to the treatment of multiple myeloma and fuel the development of new breakthroughs. We spoke to Michael Andrini, president and CEO of the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation, about the CureCloud initiative, the patient data it's gathering, and the potential to transform the treatment of multiple myeloma with precision medicine. Michael, thanks for joining us. Hey, great to be
1: with you, Danny. Thanks for having me.
0: We're going to talk about multiple myeloma, the Multiple Myeloma Research Consortium, and an innovative effort to accelerate research called the MMRF Cure Cloud. Before we get to the Cure Cloud effort, though, I wanted to take a step back for listeners who may not be familiar with the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation and discuss that a bit, perhaps We can start with multiple myeloma. What is that?
1: Sure. Um, So multiple myeloma, it's somewhat of a rare blood cancer um, that affects the plasma cells. And there's about 140,000 patients in the United States. And essentially, um, malignant plasma cells start to accumulate in the bone marrow and produce an abnormal protein called M-protein. Um, and so the result of, of really the disease starts to cause um, anemia, bone damage, um, impaired immune function, and other organ damage uh, as the disease progresses.
0: How well treated is the condition today? So there, there's been a lot of uh,
1: advancement in the space, uh, luckily, since the, the, the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation was created in, in, uh, back in 1998. Um, And there are a lot of different modalities to to treat patients. Um, There's stem cell transplant. There are immunomodulatory drugs, proteasome inhibitors, steroids, um, and immunotherapy agents uh, that have started to to, uh, become more available recently, uh, including CAR T cell therapy. And essentially, um, you know, these drugs are used in various combinations and sequences to treat patients, you know, over the course of their disease. Um, but the overall, you know, five-year survival rate is still uh, only about 55% uh, for these patients. Um, in the United States, about 12,000 patients, uh, unfortunately, some come to the disease every year. And so while there's been a tremendous amount of progress, there still is a lot more work to do. Um, And certainly our organization, the the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation, you know, our mission is really to accelerate a cure for this disease for all patients.
0: It's not unusual today to see patient organizations playing a a critical role in driving research into a specific disease. But I, I think MMRF has really been an innovative here. What's the state of treatments for multiple myeloma when the organization was founded, and how has the work it's done really advanced research and and the development of therapies into the condition?
1: Sure. So when the uh, organization was founded, again, back in 1998, there unfortunately wasn't a lot of ongoing research in this space. Um, And so the organization was really created... Uh, by our founder, Kathy Giusti, who is also a patient to really help accelerate the rate of research and advance a cure uh, for this disease. And so there were not many treatments available uh, at that time, and the five-year survival rate back then was only about 35%. Now the five-year survival rate has advanced to about 55%, and there have been 15 new drugs approved. Uh, over that period of time, um, uh, many in in which the MMRF played a role in helping to advance.
0: As you look at the multiple myeloma research landscape today, are are there critical questions that still need to be answered?
1: Uh, Absolutely. And um, with so many treatment options that are now available for patients and there are gonna be more treatments uh, that come to the market even this year for patients, um, there still is a fundamental question about how can we optimize these treatments for every patient given their unique disease characteristics uh, and stage of disease. And so that to us is really essentially a precision medicine-based question, right? It's what are the right combinations and sequencing approaches of these treatments? Um, when should we give these, uh, these treatments to patients? Uh, for which patients? And so ultimately, the goal is to make sure that all patients really, um, you know, maximize the efficacy from all the available agents uh, for them.
0: Let's talk about the MMRF Cure Cloud. What is the Cure Cloud?
1: Sure. So the Cure Cloud is an innovative um, direct-to-patient registry platform that's essentially capturing longitudinal genomic data. Uh, from a targeted gene panel from peripheral blood samples and clinical data from electronic health record information. And what's really unique about this platform is that we've done this all in a clinical grade environment. So we can actually return uh, the results of this genomic testing back to patients and the treating clinicians to inform their overall care. And we actually match uh, patients to potential clinical trials Associated with the genomic alterations are identified through the test. Um, and so we do this uh, report. Obviously, there's a clinician-facing report, but we've also partnered um, with the genomic counseling service to help us create a patient-friendly version of that report um, so they can more easily digest the information. And again, the idea is to, to be able to use this information to inform care, have better uh, discussions with their clinicians.
0: What's the range of data you're seeking to gather? Yeah, it's it's a great
1: question. And uh, so right now we're capturing genomic data, again, from that targeted uh, gene panel of about 70 genes. Um, and then we're collecting clinical data from the electronic health record information. So um, by clinical data, that's uh, treatment information, that's lab data, that's outcome data. Um, and so we really think bringing those two pieces of data together are really going to be helpful in informing kind of the next era of precision medicine breakthroughs. Um, so that's going to help us really be able to identify new targets for drug discovery, uh, new biomarkers to inform care, and ultimately the idea is to help inform care pathways overall uh, to again make sure that you know patients are are, are having uh, the best possible options given this broad armamentarium for, uh, uh, for their treatment.
0: And what's the consent process like? Are you doing this electronically?
1: Yeah, so this is a, a consent process that's all done online electronically. It just takes uh, a handful of minutes to complete. And so essentially, uh, you know, patients can, can sign up, uh, express their interest, They answer a few upfront questions to see, uh, to ensure the patient has active disease. That's really the criteria for uh, enrolling in the study. Um, And then they review that consent form, um, sign it digitally. Um, They also sign an authorization form for the MMRF to go out and uh, procure their their, uh, electronic health record information. Um, And then also uh, patients then just have to have their clinician uh, sign a blood draw order form to obtain the blood sample uh, for that sequencing test.
0: And what demands are made on patients to participate? Is it are there other things they need to do once they consent?
1: So we really tried to design this, um, Danny, to ensure that we lowered as many barriers to participation as possible. And so really we wanted to make this a seamless uh, process and we wanted to uh, make sure the burden on the patient was as low uh, as, as we possibly can make it. And so really the main um, uh, onus on the patient is to obviously go through and, and sign the consent um, and ensure that uh, their treating clinician uh, signs off on the blood draw order form. But at, at that, after that point, really, the onus is then on the MMRF to make sure we're, we're doing the sequencing tests, we're delivering that back uh, and procuring all the electronic health record information uh, for the patient.
0: And what happens to the research findings? Are they shared with the individual patients? or Are they shared with the community in any way? Uh,
1: absolutely. Um, so, you know, again, in real time, because we've done this in a clinical grade fashion, we are returning results uh, back to the individual patient that they can use for their uh, own care. Um, but also we're we're aggregating and de-identifying uh, this data. Um, and we're sharing it in a couple of different ways. Um, so one is we we are sharing the data back to patients um, through various visualizations. Um, And so one of the visualizations is essentially of the overall journey uh, that that patient went on with their disease. Um, And the other is more of an aggregated kind of view of all of the data. So patients can kind of explore uh, the data set broadly and be able to identify, you know, who are other patients that look like them that have the same kind of disease characteristics? How were they treated? What were their kind of outcomes? Um, So we think that's, uh, again, a helpful tool to kind of, for patients to be able to understand the overall landscape of disease, and again, be able to have more informed uh, decisions and and discussions with their clinician about their
0: care. And and do you Um, expect those results to actually inform individual patient decisions, treatment decisions at this time?
1: uh, Absolutely. Um, With the uh, clinical grade genomic report um, that we're returning, Um, We are um, presenting patients and their treating clinician, again, with uh, clinical trials um, that they've matched to based on a handful of genomic alterations that are actionable at this time. Um, So certainly those are options that they'll need to evaluate with their clinician, um, but it's something certainly that, that is an option for their care, you know, in the immediate.
0: And who owns the data and who is the data being made available to?
1: Sure. You know, in terms of real ownership over the data, you know, myself and, and the broader MMRF, we really believe that patients ultimately own <laughs> their own data. Um, but certainly as part of this research study, um, we at the MRF become stewards of that data for research purposes. Um, and so in terms of uh, sharing it more broadly, um, we do uh, intend to share the aggregated and de-identified data with researchers um, to help advance new discoveries. So it, you know, it's important to kind of underline that we would never share any identifiable information about patients, um, but certainly the aggregated and de-identified data has a tremendous amount of value to the broader uh, ecosystem in terms of helping to advance uh, new scientific discoveries in pursuit of, again, our highest level mission, which is to accelerate a cure uh, for this disease.
0: At the same time, would this help identify potential participants in a clinical trial?
1: Um, certainly, in terms of um, clinical trials that they are matched to from their genomic report. Um, so, you know, certainly in presenting those clinical trial options for patients, it will help, um, you know, present those options and, and potentially enroll patients then in those trials. Um so th- absolutely that's that's certainly one of the um, uh, you know benefits of of the the data
0: and, and do you see any opportunity to leverage this data by layering it with other data sets?
1: yes our our intention is you know again, we've started with this genomic data and the clinical outcomes data from electronic health records. Um, but we really intend to expand uh, the data that we're collecting as part of this um, research study, again, to be able to answer new and different uh, research questions. Um, so one of the things that we're actually planning to do this year is add patient-reported outcomes data uh, to the overall study. And so essentially that's survey data um, uh, from patients uh, on a, a variety of different aspects of, of their disease, but really it's, a, it's a, a nice tool to kind of better understand individual patient journey and how they're uh, feeling, uh, you know, given certain treatments and where they are uh, in their overall journey.
0: And how, how yeah. is all this being funded?
1: So this is funded um, primarily from philanthropy, uh, from donors. And in in most of our uh, donors uh, and philanthropists within the foundation are our patients or patient families. Uh, Also, we've uh, reached out to our uh, partners in in industry and asked for sponsorship uh, funding to help uh, pursue this overall study as well.
0: And where does the data sit? Is this on an existing platform? Is this something that MMRF has built specifically for this?
1: Sure. So this was really um, built in a, in a very bespoke way. And um, w- when I say, you know, kind of we at the MRF helped to build this, it's really a, a large partner network that, that helped us do this. It's upwards of, of 10 various partners that helped us put this together. Um, but, you know, we essentially had to kind of build a, a, our own kind of architecture um, for this uh, research project. Um, and integrate, again, a sequencing lab, genomic counselors, molecular pathology lab, uh, EHR abstraction and curation and mobile phlebotomy service and stitch that all together to be able to, you know, execute this, um, this research initiative.
0: Is there any opportunity to leverage that work so other organizations might be able to, to benefit from it?
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, we're also been, um, very active in, in making sure we're kind of proactively sharing uh, our models uh, for research at the MMRF. Um, we've been engaged actually with several uh, ongoing institutions um, that are looking to spin up other types of registry efforts that are similar to this. Um, and so, certainly, we've been playing a role in helping to share and advise um, uh, other organizations to do similar types of efforts.
0: So, as you think about this project, how does it fit into MMRF's broader philosophy about patient-driven research?
1: Sure. Well, you know, at the MMRF, um, we're big believers in taking risk, um, driving innovation, and being patient-focused. You know, being really patient-centric in our overall approach. Um, and so, this CureCloud initiative really kind of fits into that. It's, you know, it's hasn't been done in in the exact way that we've done this uh, uh, today. So, you know, there was a risk in kind of bringing that forward. Um, We really do believe that this is an innovative model. And because it's direct to patient, um, it is very patient-centric in the overall approach. Um, Also, you know, because we've been an organization that's focused in precision medicine um, and advancing precision medicine, one of the core things you need to deliver on that is data. Um, You need to have a lot of data, deep, high dimensional data to be able to drive the right types of insights that are going to inform precision medicine approaches. Again, whether that's new target discovery or biomarker discovery or advancing care pathways. Um, And so we've always made a lot of investment in generating very robust data assets and then sharing them with the uh, larger research community, again, to drive as much insight and innovation and
0: impact as possible. And just from a a broader vantage point, how do you see these types of research efforts changing the way research is done and and really uh, the potential for a patient organization like yours to have an impact?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that it's a great question. and, And I think that um, nonprofit research organizations and patient-centered research organizations have a very unique role to play um, because we're um, unbiased third parties and not encumbered um, by a lot of different constraints that, that do impact other organizations, like having to focus on profits in the industry, having to focus on publications and grant funding in academia. Um, and so, because we're, we're a little bit free from some of those constraints or these types of organizations are, they have a unique role, um, in, in having more access to patients than at any one other research institution, uh, and can more freely share the data, um, with other researchers. That's one of the, the more common impediments that, you know, we think to, uh, to advance research is, you know, data is fractured and in lots of different silos. And so we think having larger, more robust data sets that can be uh, accessed by more researchers is really important to, uh, to drive in progress.
0: Michael Andrini, President and CEO of the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. Michael, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening.